Chapter 23 of The Key to the Riddle, A Story of Huguenot Days by Margaret S. Comrie. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 23 The Screech of the Death Owl. Hark, what is that? It was the screech of the death owl, thrice repeated, and almost immediately followed by the cautious unbarring of the court gate. Call Madame Wife, murmured Blaise. But before Jacqueline could start on her errand, the ladies were in the hall. The four, trying to read Roussier's face in the light of Blaise's lantern, were not kept long in suspense. "'I bring you bad news and good, madame,' he began, going straight to the point, for time he knew was precious. "'The danger to mademoiselle is even greater than I feared. The habitatieu has come to take her, by fair means or foul, back with him to France. He and his friend have brought with them an armed band, and they have applied for a warrant from Duke Amadeus to have the Vaudois delivered up to his most Christian majesty Louis of France.' A little cry escaped Madame Eloise, but Azerel, who had formed a plan of her own, and felt sure Roussier had the same to propose, waited expectantly. "'Mademoiselle and I know of a hiding-place where she will be safe until all danger is past.' "'Where?' Madame de Rohan's anxious look seemed to ask. "'It were better, madame, that you should not know. If Monsieur the Abbé's friend should remember to pay you the friendly visit he speaks of, and happen to inquire after Mademoiselle Montu on behalf of the Abbé, it would be safer that you should be able to assure him that you know not.' But Madame was no longer listening. Her face— seen in the dim light of the lantern, looked grey. Unable to speak, she had suddenly grasped Azarol's arm. "'Yes, dear madame,' the girl replied soothingly. "'Christophe shall go with me. I will take care of him.' "'Christophe! Monsieur de Beauregard!' echoed Roussier, staring amazed. "'Monsieur Christophe is in danger also. He too must be saved from these men,' was the young girl's quiet response. Michel was much perturbed. "'But, mademoiselle, indeed, it cannot be. To take the child with you is but to increase your danger a hundredfold. You—' Taking a step nearer to him, she lifted her calm face to his. "'Michel, I am not afraid. The god of the Vaudois will be with me. He has never failed me yet. He will not fail me now. Michel, I tell you that if Christophe does not go to—' She whispered close to his ear. "'To the Boisware. Thither I go not.' There was no mistaking the determination of her tone. Michel turned from her to Madame de Rohan, and then it was that, reminded by the look on her face, he bethought him of the other piece of news he had to tell. "'Madame, pray be seated. I have other and better tidings for you, and sometimes I think the good is as hard to bear as the evil. Castel, gasped Madame, sinking down in the chair, Blaise helped Michel to drag forward. Monsieur de Rohan is safe and well, and the French citadel of— Pest! I was nigh forgetting I had sworn silence there. Eh bien, it is not so many miles from here that you need be at a loss, concluded Michel, with the proud smile of a man who congratulates himself upon his ability to keep his word, if not in the spirit, at least in the letter. Poor Roussier! The momentary vision he had of the face of the woman he loved was almost more than he knew how to bear. Anticipating the eager questions that rose to the lips of his hearers, he assured Madame he knew absolutely nothing but the bare fact he had told her, then muttering something about needing quiet to think out his plans, he strode from the hall into the dark corridor outside, and there paced up and down, fighting the demon within him, so he grimly put it to himself. That sweet face, paling and flushing alternately, the quivering of the lips that would not be controlled, Ah, how well he read in it all the story of her love for the man he had once hated with the fierce hatred of a consuming jealousy. And did he hate him still? Michel stood motionless while the storm of doubt and fear swept over him. But no, and again no. Who was he that he should hate any man, he to whom so much had been forgiven? And who was it that had come to his sickbed and told him of that forgiveness? Who but the woman who loved, and was loved, by that same Gaston de Rohan? Another minute, and Michel returned to the hall. If he had braced himself to face a display of feminine emotion, he might have spared himself his fears. 
Eloise de Rohan and Azrael Montu had nothing of that womanly weakness which is born of selfishness. They were both ready for him when he came, and they listened quietly while he spoke in short, rapid sentences. "'Before dawn, Mademoiselle, we must needs have reached a place of hiding. Someone go and fetch the boy. And Mademoiselle,' here he turned to Jacqueline, "'she will want a few things with her besides food, Madame Jacqueline.' "'But Christophe, he cannot walk,' began his mother in a perturbed voice. "'Doubtless a little way he could go, and slowly, but if it be—' "'I will carry him on my back, Madame. Tion, better still, there is his chair-donkey. Asino is light of foot as a girl.' With this the little group separated noiselessly, Blaise and Michel to get the donkey, Azerel, assisted by Jacqueline, to gather together what might be needed for an indefinite sojourn in the haunted cave, Madame to wake and dress Christophe. It had been a whim of the child's to be called early in the morning, in time, as he said, to see the flowers and birds open their eyes, but he had not counted on having to open his own in the semi-darkness of a lamp-lit room, with Madame Eloise in attendance instead of Jacqueline. And when Azerel, remembering the damp chillness of the cave, slipped softly into the room to tell Madame to dress him in his warmest velvet suit and fur-lined winter cloak, his mystification increased. Something in Madame's look and tone awed him into silence, but only at the last, and guardedly, she told him how that wicked men wanted to steal away from them their dear Azerel, but that kind Monsieur Roussier knew of a hiding-place, and Christophe must go to take care of her. The boy looked greatly troubled. "'And leave you all alone, dear Madame Eloise?' he asked incredulously, a sob rising in his throat. Gently hushing him, Madame de Rohan gathered him up in her arms. "'My little Christophe, my precious one, you must go too, for do you know, these cruel men want to take you away also, and if they did, ah, how lonely and sad I should be then! But you will go and hide with Azerol, and as soon as the bad men have gone away you will return again to me. You are not frightened, Cherie?' "'No, Madame, it is not that,' he promptly answered, struggling to stop crying. I am growing a big man now. I am not afraid. Besides, Azrael says the good God always takes care of us when we ask him, like Daniel in the lion's den. But I—I—I I, I promised Gaston that I would take care of you." Then with a glad ring in her voice she told him the good news of Gaston. It was all that was needed to drive away his tears. "'And if Monsieur the Captain rides home before I come back, you will tell him how it was that I broke my promise, will you not, Madame?' But she made no answer to that. She was holding him closer, and still closer, in her arms. Christophe, my own little boy, could you call me mother, do you think? Wonderingly, he met her yearning look. Could you grow into my real mother? Ah, how I wish that you were! I am, I am, she breathed, and covered his face with kisses. It is doubtful whether he thought she was in earnest, but his blue eyes grew wistful, and at last, flinging his arms around her neck, he held her tight without a word. He made no further difficulty about going and seemed only eager to show that when danger threatened he would not fail to act the part of little man Christophe. The ride through the dark forest did not frighten him, but when Azerel and Michel got him safely down the perilous cliffs, and along the bed of the torrent to the cave, a fit of childish terror seized him. Roussier had gone back to the forest to fetch the panniers, and Azerel, pretending not to see how the child shrank from the gruesome place, put her arm round him, and cheerily did the honours of what she called their house, showing him how it was already furnished with the table and seats, and how they could make it delightfully comfortable, with all the nice things they had brought from the chateau. "'Only think, Christophe, I have remembered to bring La Fontaine, and wait but until the sun gets up and comes to call upon us in our house, then you will see what a truly nice place it is.' But seeing that he still clung tremblingly to her, turning his head away from the impenetrable darkness of the recesses at the back of the cave, she led him a little way in, and showed him by the light of the lantern Léon's treasure-cupboard, the sloping ledge under which was kept the precious Bible. It was with a strange thrill she reverently placed in the child's little hands the very book which long years ago his own father had loved and studied. 
The sight and touch of a real copy of the Holy Scriptures seemed to reassure the little fellow, and though still keeping close to her, he was quite ready when Michel returned with the panniers to help her to unpack and arrange their house. "'I will lead Asino back through the forest, and then let him go loose. He will easily find his way to the chateau,' said Roussier, warned by the light breaking in the sky that it was time for him to go. "'And, Mademoiselle, though there is but little danger of anyone venturing near the boissoire, it were best to be prudent. Keep the boy quiet, and do not show yourselves in the open any more than you can help. When the darkness falls, shut the cave entrance. It will be safe then to light the lamp and a fire also. Listen for the screech of the death owl. When you hear it once, long and loud drawn out, that will mean all is well. But if the call come from a distance, and be three times quick and sharp repeated, put out your lights, remove all traces of your presence in the cave, retire to its innermost recesses, and keep silent as death. The girl nodded. Then, as the light from the lantern fell full upon Michel's face, she exclaimed in distress, "'Oh, Monsieur Roussier, how fatigued and ill you look! You have worn yourself out in being thus good and kind to us, and in very deed what should we have done without you? I cannot thank you. My heart is too full.' For a moment he held in his the hand she extended to him. "'It is thanks enough, Mademoiselle, that you trust me to serve you,' he returned, his voice husky. Respectfully he raised the white hand to his lips. The next instant he was gone. How the hours of that long day passed, Azarol hardly knew. Happily, Christophe, possessed of the idea that he was taking care of her, was sustained partly by the sense of his own importance as a knight, and partly from the childish enjoyment of the novelty of this strange picnic in a cave hiding-place, the secret of which was known only to kind Monsieur Roussier. Early in the evening, however, he grew drowsy, and was pleased enough to go to sleep on the makeshift for a bed which Azarol and he had made up with moss and wraps. For hours after Christophe had been asleep, Azarol, on her log-seat, cowered shivering over the glowing embers on the hearth. Throughout the day she had kept up bravely, but now sitting alone, watching and waiting for she knew not what, the darkness, the silence, the loneliness of the weird place took possession of her, and something of the horror with which she had regarded the haunted cavern when she first set foot in it three years ago returned upon her in full force. She was fain at last to slip to her knees to seek the help of which she was in such sore need, nor did she seek in vain. Resuming her seat on the log, she told herself with an exultant smile that the key to this day's riddle was in safer hands than hers, and the thought brought peace as it had often done before. Then her mind wandered from the two fugitives in the boissoire to other captives no less lonely and anxious. There was her father, a prisoner for conscience' sake in Turin. There was Léon, on the rock of the Balsilla. There were the two dear exiles waiting and praying in Württemberg. Lastly there was—but now her heart throbbed wildly—there was that other lonely one in close ward, but where? mayhap in the citadel of Pinerolo. In vain she tried not to think of him. Her heart for the time defied her will. She let her head fall on her hands, not seeing, yet shamefacedly conscious of her changing color, and half indignantly she demanded of herself by what right she, Azerol Montu the Vaudois, dared to think thus longingly of Gaston de Rohan. Had she not told herself and him two long years past that—that it could never be? In the midst of all else, Azerol was anxiously mindful of poor Madame de Rohan. She would have been greatly startled had she seen in the gathering dusk the ponderous figure of Monsieur Scaglier riding up to the gate of Castel Brianza, and she would have trembled with apprehension had she heard the tones of his fierce voice demanding of poor scared Blaise an audience of his lady mistress. But her heart would have beat with joyous relief had she been witness of the closing scene in the drama which was being enacted in the hall of the chateau half an hour later. In the stately bearing of the woman standing erect as a queen before him, Basile de Mondovi could have detected but little trace of the terror which had agitated Eloise de Rohan on hearing of the arrival at her castle gates of Mondovi the Black. "'Own the truth, and the God of truth himself will support you,' Azrael had said to her friend, 
and by Madame at this crucial moment the words had been remembered. With a sudden flash of joy it came to her that in her weakness, ay, even in her sinfulness, and that without the intervention of priest or sacrament, she, Eloise de Rohan, might go in the name of Christ to him who had promised, I will help thee, nor did she go in vain. And when in her weakness she felt herself made strong, she proved indeed the faithfulness of him that promised. Ma foi, madame, but thanks to the blessed saints, the ill is like to turn out well. When I married the present comtesse, I told her I had no son, and that hers, if she had one, would be Count de Mondovi after his father. Cert, for the sake of a miserable hunchback, there would never have been a thought of ousting her boy. He is six months old now, but a pretty quandary I should have been in if all that you say be true of this Christophe, and he had indeed been Adil's boy. Ma foi, madame, as I tell you, my estates are in no condition to bear the strain of division. Ma voila, all's well that ends well. There followed a few moments of silence while the Count strode up and down the polished floor, and Blaise and Jacqueline, outside the door with their ears at the keyhole, ready at the first alarm to dash in to the rescue of their beloved mistress, drew a long breath of relief. Straightening themselves up, they looked one another silently in the face. There was no need for them to remain longer on guard, and Blaise, after a hard grip of his wife's hand, left her to wipe her eyes with her apron, while he hurried back to his post in the court. Nor was he a minute too soon, for on reaching the gate he heard the loud voice of Mondovi the Black bidding Madame a courteous adieu, and the next instant the visitor, vaulting into the saddle, tossed a piece of silver to the groom and another to Blaise, and rode off at a canter down the avenue, a grim smile on his dark face. "'Ma foi, but that is a fine woman, and a spirited one, too,' he muttered to himself. Then for a moment his face sobered. "'Eh bien, and so the little one lies with his mother under the sod at Mondovi. Sa, sa, it is better so. No hunchback could be heir to the house of Mondovi. Never. Eh bien, but cert, this has not been a bad afternoon's work.' The saints grant us rare success for tonight's sport. And with that, Mondovi the Black, his momentary touch of feeling gone, put spurs to his horse, and set off at a gallop in the direction of Lucerna. End of chapter 23